Today on the Zabecast, when people from D.C. try to tell you that we are the city that just doesn't win, well, we aren't kidding. So tonight's Game 6 in Pittsburgh is eh, kind of big. Drew Olson from the Big 920 will join me. We'll go round and round on Becky Hammond in her interview with the Bucks in an argument that'll get loud, go in circles, but maybe not solve anything. All that plus delicious, sanctimonious hypocrisy. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Monday, May 7, 2018. Thank you for being a loyal ZabeCast subscriber. Monster game six tonight for the Capitals in Pittsburgh. For all of us fans of this hockey team, of which, as you see on my icon of my ZabeCast, the empty pizza box of a lifetime supply of playoff disappointment, tonight can go a long way towards scratching that itch. Now, granted, a win tonight would only get us past the second round, would only get us into the conference finals. We are still eight difficult wins away from hoisting the cup, which, honestly, we should have had at least one or two runs at in the Alex Ovechkin era over the last 12 years. So, really, we haven't won shit if we win tonight. But the bottom line is, for us, it'll feel like a win because we have lost to the Penguins nine of the last ten meetings in the playoffs, and we have not been to the conference semifinals in hockey since 1998. That's 20 years of never having made it even to the conference finals. Conference finals, not Stanley Cup finals, conference finals. Hell, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are in the conference finals for the first time in their first year. (laughs) Uh, They're sitting there going, what's so hard about this? Here we are. Great story, by the way. Fun team to watch. Could be them in Winnipeg. See what Winnipeg does tonight. But anyway, it's not just that the Capitals have not been there since 98. None of our teams have been to the quarter or the semifinals of sports, meaning the conference finals or the or the league. Fi- yeah, it would be conference. Conference in every sport. American League, Noel, it would be league in baseball. You get the point. None of our teams in D.C. have been to the final four. How about that? Ding. Give me a ding there. Thank you. None of our teams have been to the Final Four since 1998. And when you look at the list of cities that have at least two of the big four sports, NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, of the cities that have at least two, and we've got four now, by the way, only had three until about 15 years ago with the Nats, 13 years ago, um, we are down at the bottom. 1998, Here, here's who our neighbors are in that, realm of when was the last time you had a team go to the final four in your sport buffalo san diego 2007 for each of them are in the bottom four of cities and then it's us in dc 1998 and then cincinnati 1995 wow almost want to play the sam weiss snowball sound effect but i don't think i have it Snowball, Weish. This is why I don't play. People say, why don't you play more sound bites on your podcast? Because it slows things down. I need somebody else talking like Scott for a quick second so I can dial it up. And I don't have that, unfortunately. Okay. It's not on this machine here. Cincinnati, 1995. But they only have two teams. They only have the Bengals and the Reds. We've got four, and we haven't had a team in the Final Four since 1998. Brutal. 
San Diego and Buffalo, 2007 each. New Orleans, 2009. Dallas and Vancouver, 2011. So already you're jumping up just seven years ago. And then Detroit, Miami, 2013. And then a bunch of cities. Seattle, Montreal, Indianapolis, Baltimore, Phoenix, Kansas City, Denver, Carolina, Toronto, Tampa, St. Louis, Milwaukee, slash Green Bay, Atlanta, San Fran, Pittsburgh, Philly, New York, Nashville, Minnesota, Los Angeles, Houston, Cleveland, Chicago, Boston. They've all had teams in the Final Four as recently as 2014 or better. So, cross our fingers. And by the way, uh, one thing about the coaching staff that they have to understand with the coaches uh, in the uh, for the for the Capitals and the players, they were saying how all right, the Caps fall behind 3-2 in the third period. 7:42 gone in the second actually in game number 5 at home. And the building just the air goes out of the building. It deflates like a bounce house left out in the rain. And afterwards, several of the players said, "Hey, come on fans. We need you. I know you guys don't believe in us, but we believe in us and we really want the building as live as it can be even if we're gasp down a goal." Or down two goals, or whatever. I understand that. I get that. In fact, Barry Trotz says, look, nobody's trying as hard as we are. Get behind us, he says. Help push us forward, and we're going to give you our best. You don't understand, though. We've been sitting in those stands for 20 years, going to games, wearing the red, rocking the red, rocking the house, getting disappointed time after time after time after time. You haven't been here, Barry Trotz, that long. And other players on the team haven't been there that long. But we as fans, we've been here. You're just going to have to kick ass, win, and and dominate for us to then feel like... Like, I guess what I'm saying here is you can't, us, you can't ask us to believe if we've never seen something. You're asking for blind belief. Other cities and other teams that have had comebacks and resilience and have done special things, well, the fan base has a memory for that. They were there for those moments. They will believe. They will be loud. We've had none of that experience. Sort of like the only place that uh, hard work, what, what is the, is some, some cliche about hard work and success. Oh, yeah, the only the only place where success comes in front of hard work is in the dictionary. No, no, that doesn't make sense either. Whatever the case is, th- win. Win, 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 and then we'll start believing more and more and more. And it'll come around. One more thing before we get to Drew Olson. How about a mazel, mazel? Mazel, mazel. Good things. To uh, defenseman John Carlson of the Capitals. He and his wife had their second child on Friday night. Carlson is currently on paternity leave. He'll be back with the Capitals if they make the Stanley Cup Finals sometime in June. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm being told. What's that? Oh, he didn't leave. Did not leave the team. Inter- Still playing. Huh. Ooh, had a had a goal. Big goal the other night. A rocket. The upper right-hand corner. Hmm. Well, that is interesting. He must hate his child. He must hate... His wife. He must be a bad family man. What? Am I being unfair? Because look, when a baseball player in April has a child and they take off a week for paternity leave, and I say, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're a highly paid professional athlete. Maybe a day, 
if it happens on that day. But how about back to work the next day and you'll see the kid at night when you get home from the ballpark. Oh, no, I'm branded as the bad guy. I'm branded as the guy that says, can you not be more sensitive? Well, here's a guy who had a second child and did not take paternity leave. Hmm. Very interesting. It's almost like they really needed him because this is the playoffs to do a specific job. Uh, yes, Abe, that's the point, okay? It's a big difference between the playoffs and, you know, regular season when it doesn't matter. Whoa. Don't every game, doesn't every game matter? They count every game, wins and losses. You don't know if you're going to need that extra game at the end of the season. Just saying. Mazel, mazel. Good things. Good things indeed for uh, John Carlson and his wife. But I just had to point that out. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie and this is my brother Doug. How's it going, eh? Drew Olson with us on a Monday. It's a Monday, Drew. Monday is Drew's day, isn't it, Drew? I've given you it the is. coveted Monday spot because you said, I got nothing going on on Mondays. Let's do it. Zabe, truth be told, I got nothing going on most days. A Tuesday, Wednesday, any day <laughs> Wednesday. that ends in a Y? Pretty much, yes. I'm ready to throw down, though, because... Everybody else was celebrating the Derby and Cinco de Mayo. Let's oh, go yeah. Siete de Mayo. Let's make that a thing. You know, <laughs> uh, you, you want to put on a funny hat and get dressed up great. You know, you, it's your once-a-year blowout. You want to run it on a Thursday in October? Call me. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, I want to culturally appropriate one day a year by putting on a sombrero and a poncho <laughs> and eating tacos and drinking cerveza. Yay, Cinco de Mayo. Does anyone know what Cinco de Mayo celebrates? No. What is knows. the actual holiday? Nobody knows. Do you know? I know it's not what anybody thinks. It's not Independence Mexico. It's just it's not even. I know that could it's it not really celebrated up, in Mexico. Could it be a made up holiday like by, Sweetest by, uh, Day is oh, yeah. in the Midwest? Do you know I didn't even know what Sweetest Day for those listeners outside of the Midwest? Let me just clue, clue you in here. When I lived in Chicago for a brief, wonderful two and a half years or something like that, cold as shit. Uh, I was there and they said, "Yeah, we're well, going to celebrate Sweetest Day with your girlfriend." And I'm like, "What?" sweetest day and they're like yeah oh, it's fuck. another valentine's day yeah it's a it's valentine's day too that is only celebrated in the midwest am i wrong about that no you're right okay it's just complete bullshit cinco de mayo is a celebration held uh to commemorate the mexican army's unlikely victory over the french empire at the battle of puebla on may 5th 1862 under the leadership of general ignacio Zaragoza. Zaragoza. Yes, the unlikely victory because the Mexican army was generally regarded as shit. Yes. No here, offense, Mexico, but let's be honest. Here it celebrates Mexican-American culture and selling of Corona and Dos Equis and tacos and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's been. You're right. It's been bastardized and appropriated. Like Meanwhile, food. here we go. Wikipedia, sweetest day. A holiday that's celebrated in the Midwestern United States. Yeah. Also in the northern part of Florida on the third Saturday in October. It's a day to share romantic deeds or expressions. Sweetest Day has been also referred to as a concocted promotion created by the candy industry solely to increase sales of sweets. Yep. Well, no shit about that. First Sweetest Day ever was uh, 1921 in Cleveland, as the plain dealer had in their uh, October 8th edition uh, a story about 
sweetest day. <laughs> Valentine. All we need, Drew, is men is another fucking day oh, to miss with our girlfriend or wife, to forget about. Besides birthday, anniversary, Valentine's Day, what else is there? That's Christmas. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. Hey, when's Christmas this year, honey? Yeah. I don't want to miss it again. My my wife, uh, I'm I'm lucky, and I can say this, and I'm not sucking up because there's no way in hell she will ever listen to this podcast. But she is she's not a. <laughs> but she is completely not like that's just. Are you kidding me? Valentine's Day restaurants are crowded. Let's go out on you know a week later. Doesn't matter. Uh, none of that stuff. You know she's very. Uh, when it, when it comes to that stuff, she calls BS. Like we don't exchange cards and stuff like that. So you're done with cards. Yeah, forever. I mean, maybe a birthday card, maybe, but that would be the only okay. day. The rest of it is nothing. Valentine's Day is nothing. Christmas, it's like, hey, you know what? We need that new dishwasher. Yeah, let's get that. Okay, hey, Merry Christmas. By the That's way, when Christmas. did you turn 50? Uh, a year ago. Okay. And what did you do for your 50th birthday? Nothing. What did nothing. you want to do? Nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. Like no. literally, you did nothing special. No, no. Okay. I've done enough in life, like okay, trips and stuff like that. I guess. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I could have done but enough I've done, in life. I've, I've traveled wait, 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 a lot. Wait, wait. I've been what, around. What is your like, enough meter? Um. Well, like, <laughs> show me know. where that meter is on your well, life. I've, I've been had on a enough. lot of. I've been on a well. I've been on a lot of vac- these destination vacations and stuff so like that. I. It'd be cool. Go on more. But yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm still grinding, man. I'm still getting established. Uh, okay, I'm I just still saying. Feel like I'm a. I'm Drew, on my rookie contract. Drew, I'm trying, don't trying ever to limit. Don't ever limit yourself with mm-hmm. like, hey, I've done enough, or I've got too much. You can no, always do and, more because you whiffed on what could have been like an, a big excuse to do something. It's for your true. 50th. That's true. But then, like, I don't. But I don't need an excuse. And that's the thing about my wife. Like, if I want to go. Hey, I'm going to Vegas for uh, a- a- NFC and AFC Championship weekend with my buddy uh, Johnny Vegas. Oh, go ahead. Okay, have fun. Okay, <laughs> so, so you literally did nothing. Because my 50th is coming up here June 1, and my wife says to me last night, she's like, and you know what, right. Mr., you got to think about what you want to do for your birthday. Well, two things. One, I booked a 16-man Scotland golf excursion for 10 days coming up in August 18 months ago for my 50th. Well, there you go. So that should cover it right there. What I think my wife is saying, and you always need to sort of like think, you know, every question from your wife becomes like a congressional inquiry, like, hmm, how should I answer this one? Uh, I think what she means is what type of party at our house yeah, do you want? Yeah, that's what she cares about. Because, how many people are we having over and should right, I have it catered? Right. When she says, what do you want to do for your 50th? The, the oh. stock answer by any oh. guy. What do I want to do? The oh, thoughts yeah. run wild. No. But even in a realistic standpoint, what I would love to do is go up to the New York City area to play golf at some nice clubs in that part of the country that I've never had a chance to get away for a weekend. Oh, you're going to Wingfoot. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Exactly. I got a guy who can get me on Wingfoot, and I've never been up there to hit some of those places. Now, if I were to say that, I'm pretty sure my wife would be crestfallen. Like, well, that's not what I was thinking of. Like, oh, yeah. I wasn't thinking of you going away. No, for she's more thinking golf. Of how much? Yeah, like I, I want to have, have a party. How many here. people will we have over? I threw my wife a surprise 40th birthday party at a restaurant and, and flew in one of her girlfriends. I actually, you know, did the the thinking and got her flown in as a surprise and yeah shocked the hell out of it was great so that was a home run so we're good then and she didn't have to reciprocate i would not want that okay um the stock answer those hey what do you want to do for your birthday same thing every blowjob and a nap (laughs) not even a steak dinner no if i can get that you know it's all good 
Once upon a time, somebody told me, uh, you remember my King Day promotion with Bob yes. and Brian. Yeah. So I, I don't think this was an original idea. Someone had emailed me saying, because I think I went on a rant one day saying, there's got to be a male equivalent of Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day is horribly skewed towards the woman. And so someone said, yes, there's a thing called King Day. Me and my buddies do it, and it involves steak dinner, golf, or fishing, and going to a strip club at night. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I said, okay, I'm going to have a King Day when I come up to see Bob and Brian for the Bob and Brian Open. And it turned out to be a disaster because I was late getting back from golf and Bob and Brian were waiting at Potawatomi in their steakhouse forever. But at least I tried. Oh, and I think gambling's got gambling's got to be in there as well as part of quote Gambling, unquote, a King sporting Day. event. It's hard yeah. to market to guys. Guys, we just get shit on by marketers. We get goofed on by the ad agencies. I am still seething, Drew. At the direct TV commercial that is running nonstop of that uppity bitch throwing everything that her boyfriend owns out the window because she's mad about something, including the cable box. Have you seen that? I have Surely. seen that, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, so, okay, let me get this straight. That's cool. Like, I thought we were in the era of hashtag me too and greater sensitivity on things. You're saying it's okay. Like, who knows what dispute led to this, but you have an irrational woman destroying personal property of her boyfriend, throwing the guitar out the window, throwing his clothes, and she's got this satisfied smile like, yeah, I showed that asshole. <laughs> I'm like, how is that acceptable? How is that acceptable in today's day and age? <laughs> My dog is barking outside the door. Do you want a dog, by the way? Uh, I got two, so I'm good. Do you want a third? No, probably not. Okay. People know about Tucker, our, our our dog we've had for about a year and a half now, a sweet little brown field spaniel, normally a very good boy. But i got to be honest, Drew, it's just he just needs attention. I need him to get to be the old age where all he does is lie yeah. around the house all day and doesn't yeah. bark. They don't, you don't get there till about five or six, maybe, seven. He's good yeah. at catching the frisbee. All right. Is there going to be any sports on this? Not a sports fan, huh? Oh, <laughs> shut oh, up, shit. everybody. Not a sports fan, huh? All right, here we go. Let's get to sports, sports, sports. Let me start with the Becky Hammond story. Becky Hammond is going to get an interview with the Milwaukee Bucks for their vacant head coaching position. Becky Hammond is currently an assistant coach on the San Antonio Spurs, former WNBA legend. And a lot of people have very strong opinions one way or the other on Becky Hammond at least getting an interview to be a head coach in the NBA. Your thoughts? Uh, no problem with the interview. I probably wouldn't have a problem if she's hired, except uh, I think that the Bucks with Giannis, they're at a point where it might behoove them to have somebody who's coached in the league before, maybe uh, taken a team to the playoffs before. You think? So, But here's the thing. Fundamentally, I, have, I hear people say, well, it's a distraction, it's a marketing pl- gimmick, it'd be a circus and it would be stupid. No, if if that's your reasoning, I disagree. And if it's if you are, but and if if you think that you'd be cool with them hiring some other assistant and not her, I don't see the logic in that. You either want an established guy and no assistant, or if you want an assistant, you have to throw her into the mix. Because how do you know, you know, Etor Messina or any of these other guys that names that are out there? How do you know that they're going to be any good? She might be really, really good. I if, and you know, and you you working for a female boss, a female El Jefe know that they can be very good. Absolutely. Best people to work for sometimes. I have a, a terrific relationship and, and much respect for my boss. And yeah, it's like But that said, and and the NBA, the culture, that's the most progressive league, it would accept it. It's not freaking baseball or football. It's it's coming, man. Yeah. It's coming. So it, whether it's her or not, we'll see. 
But I just, if intellectually, you got to be consistent. Because if you're going to say, I'd be cool with an assistant, just not her, then you're not, you're, you're, you're closing your mind and you're being ridiculous. Yeah. I don't but, think you can defend that position. So, yeah, she may be great, but she's the fourth assistant on San Antonio. She has no other head coaching experience anywhere else. And I still think this kind of matters. Never played in the league. Like, that's a bit of a reach to be giving her a job if with an up-and-coming team. Greg Popovich never played in the league. Well, okay, but that's only one thing, though. <laughs> I think Popovich yeah. put in his time, did he not? Well, he coached at some colleges and stuff and moved around and got – he was a Larry Brown apprentice. Popovich has a very impressive tree of assistants who have gone on to do, you know, good work. I guess um, at the end of the day, there's no way to prove, like, well, this candidate is better than the other. You And that's the thing with assistants. You just don't know until they move over to that chair. I, I live in a market where um, one of my first you know, sports teams that I followed was Marquette, right? And they hired Rick Majerus as an assistant. He was an assistant under Al McGuire and then under Hank Raymonds, who succeeded Al, Al McGuire. Then they moved Rick Majerus over 18 inches, or in his case, maybe 24 or 36 inches, you know, one chair over. Right. And he... Didn't didn't seem ready for prime time and got run out of town at a dream job that he should have had forever, but then he went to Ball State and went to Utah and became you know, Rick Majerus. Yeah, he wasn't I, ready. Now, how do you know? And, and the trend in sports now is to give former players the keys, and some are sinking and swimming. There's the Gabe Kapler thing. Baseball had the you know Mike Matheny. You can argue about his merits. Craig Council in Milwaukee got the job and hadn't managed before. In basketball, all there are played, all kinds though. of guys that play. All, well, Jason all, Kidd played. Almost, I know. Almost all so, these coaches that have no experience played in the true, league. True. Whereas Becky, Becky Hammond, Hammond would played. not have that. She ah, played. She played in the girly league. Yeah, but she that's played. different it's than basketball. the NBA, Well, then that's like saying, how can somebody from Europe possibly coach You know, with uh, the bulk of their experience in Europe, yeah, which okay. is Messina's case, and then it's not the same game. That's a fair but point. But it's, it's basketball. It's a fair point. But then there comes down, It's the, there, there is the element of alpha males – being yeah. told, you're not fucking trying hard enough, you loser. Get your ass in gear yeah, by, and a, by a woman. How does that happen when alpha males who make more than the coach are told by men that they're, not, that they're dragging well, their ass? It's still, and it's still what, a man-to-man exchange. What percentage of NBA players who are young, uh, what percentage were raised in single-parent households by a mother or a grandmother? A lot. Boom. But that's that doesn't mean the coaching dynamic would work well. It does, yeah. But it does. I, I think it might help. <laughs> it's psychologically. I just think people have progressed to the age like if you know your shit and you're, you're dialed in and buttoned up and you know organized. Yeah, but define know your shit. Define dialed in. Well, like there's no definition of any of this stuff because in the case of kid, he'd never coached before, and then when he was hired, he turned out to be well, great, and then he was not so great, and now he's fired. Yeah, that's right. So, and so things can change along so, the way. But yeah, and okay, Joe Prunty was the interim guy. He was with Kid. If he hadn't been, if he hadn't slid over that other chair, if he was an assistant somewhere else in Portland or something, he might be a sexy choice. And now, if you mention his name, people say, "No fucking away. He was here. He, like they, they ran roughshod. It was like a substitute teacher. It was a bad <laughs> circumstance. Right. It was a bad situation. You know what I think we need? Right? I think we need the we need the return of the player coach. Because you guys had one in uh, Mike Dunleavy Sr. once upon a time. Yeah. NBA player coaches. I, I want to go back to those days yeah, where we Magic, just saved Russell. the position. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, LeBron could do it. And some might say LeBron's doing it now. <laughs> Ty Lue's just the guy in the suit at the end of the bench.
I th- think Dunleavy. I think Dunleavy was one. Am I wrong two, about that? I don't. Maybe, maybe for a game or two. I mean, he may have. You know, as an assistant, I think he played or something. I think that was it. I think they activated him when he was an assistant recently, or okay. after he had shortly after he had retired. Uh, Bill but, Russell was the most famous. Yeah, I think Ma- did Magic player no. coach once. No, Magic time. coach, but he wasn't playing. The thing is, Dave though, to, DeBusher was with the Pistons back in '66 and '67. Oh, there you go. To dismiss female candidates, first of all, like Doris Burke, and it's getting to the point where you don't notice. Remember when female referees in the NFL in the in the NBA was a big deal. Now you don't even really notice. No, you do because they suck. I don't, They're consistently there's a some bunch of, the of guys that ones. suck too. I understand that, but the women are weak. There's I don't no question. Ask any play-by-play guy in the league off the air where he can't be held responsible for it. Yeah. They'll tell you they're not very Violet strong. Violet Palmer they had, can't they had, make a call. Uh, they had to fire D. Cantner, I believe. But here's the thing. Yeah. There's a lot of men that suck as there's well. A, exactly. And yet when I say, well, the women suck, they think I'm being sexist. I'm being factual in that regard. Okay, well, if and if you're going to say... It, again, it's 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 a wall that will come down eventually. There will be, a, and, and the NBA is, it is a wall? probably the the NBA. Well, yeah, because there's never been one. But is that a wall? But what if? But is it? it to me, it, it makes no sense to a dismiss. A wall implies that somebody is saying we're going to keep women out of doing. To this. say that a woman couldn't do the job. I didn't say that. Well, I'm saying, but right now I'm hearing that from people, and I'm like, there's no way it wouldn't make sense. And you're trying to lay out these cases. Forty years ago, people might have said that about an African American coaching candidate. Yeah, there's a difference. Though. There's been there only you can't uh, equate race to sex. True. Because we're wired, no, but, we're yeah, wired but, differently. But, Men are wired differently than women, and you goddamn know it. Don't don't deny that. I, I, I won't Where deny black that. Men and but white when it men comes might to have cultural, I don't think they are. Well, I mean, and and you know, I guess acumen. So. You say okay. You say wall, and you say well, this has never been done before. Maybe the thing is we don't need a female head coach in the NBA because we have an overabundance of men. So it's not that we're putting up a wall to say we're not going to ever let a woman run an uh, NBA team. It's just there's no need well, for it. The thing is, and the pipeline isn't exactly bursting. And once there are more female assistants, and it'll, it'll take time to to seed the field, right? It'll take it'll take time to 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 get the the crop planted. But once there are, and once you know, once you know, Becky Hammond's going to inspire people that are playing now maybe in the WNBA to get into coaching or people that are college players to get into coaching? I suppose. The I, idea you know, that you had to have played in the league is a joke because, I didn't you know, say that. Yeah, I'm I'm, but I'm hearing that from people. I want somebody to play in the league. Oh, okay. So to me, it's like intellectually, if, you, if you're if you against, if you're anti-assistant, okay, you want somebody, and we have retreads in the NBA that Oh, my around. God, it's all it like is. Like Dan Tony was an idiot at some spots. Did he get smarter or did he get into the right <laughs> no, players? He got, the he right, got better players and he got James go. Harden blowing up into and an MVP candidate. that's what you don't candidate. know. And that's yeah. what somebody coming in here. It could be great. It could be a disaster. It's it's a big hire for the Bucks because of where they are in the curve and with Giannis. And okay, so for me, the Phoenix Suns should hire Becky Hammond because what the hell else do they have? <laughs> well, now you're saying right? they should hire her as a marketing gimmick. Well, and but, that's and that's a byproduct that that will come with it. That will come with it. That's like saying um, years ago the Bucks drafted this guy out of China, E. Gian Leon. Yeah, and. I remember Part, you know was, they took a swing. They were hoping he'd be like Giannis. It didn't work out. But they were and they had but they were selling Chinese uh, you know on the rotating boards on the scores table. They were selling Chinese ads and stuff. It opened up the market. That was an ancillary benefit of signing this guy. And there will be an ancillary benefit in terms of awareness and and people doing features and stuff. Like I don't know that real sports will come in and do a feature on Mike Buttonholzer if he gets the job. But they would come in and do one on Becky Hammond, which raises the profile of the franchise and the city and. 
makes you look progressive. That's ancillary, though. The bottom line is, can you do the job? If she interviews well, she she definitely damn sure deserves an interview. But we've had, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Gar Hurd for the Washington Wizards blew Abe Poland away in the interview. Quote, unquote, he blew me away. Gar Hurd sucked as a head coach. So... Women can ace interviews. Men can ace interviews. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not. You just don't know. I guess the net net would be if we have a decent sample of qualified women coaches and they prove that they have a track record that is perhaps slightly better than men head coaches, then you might get a permanent infiltration of like at most in my lifetime – 25% 25% women coaching men, but someone would have to figure out, well, here's why they're actually better than men in some regards because they can relate better or they communicate I, better. Why, otherwise, why we, otherwise be, we don't need women. We've got tons of men. But then again, to go to the race thing, um, oh, African-American players, the league's mostly African-American. Why don't we have more Afri- African-American coaches? There's a, there have only been six African-American coaches that have won NBA titles. So if you, want, if you want to just dismiss out of hand and say, well, then why, why would we hire one? The, the odds are that you're not going to win. Like, that just doesn't seem – why do they have to meet that standard? No, no, hold on a second. What are you saying? Why, 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 you're saying if, if there are women, it'll, it'll be because they, they have to have a better record? Like I, for them to, to, it, to crack through and to, have to get to your 25% that you won't live to see, they, they have to be better and I would say better that at relating? Like why there, can't there, they fail? There, there would be no compelling reason to hire a female coach. Unless somebody keyed in on, here's why they're better. They're I, not going to be just perceived. I don't disagree. I, I disagree with that. Just you do. It's on the no. merits, yeah. Okay. Well, you because okay, like you think okay. men and women are the same though. They're not. Well, I think. But look at the NBA again. I used the D'Antoni thing. Terry Stotts coached the Bucks, and everybody thought he was overmatched in a goober. And he goes to Portland, and now he th- everybody thinks he's pretty smart. Now, again, Portland might. People in Portland might disagree with that, and he might be a free agent again. But guys cycle around, so why can't women be in that mix? And why would, can't they? Well, but why wouldn't if a woman goes to if Becky Hammond gets the Bucks job and fails, does that mean no woman's ever going to get hired again? No, because it but didn't you happen asked, that way with like black coaches. It you didn't asked, happen that way. Okay, but you asked the question, why can't they? I asked the question, why should they? I just why should they be dismissed and out of the d- discussion? Because how you know? Well, my what answer makes them worse. My answer is because we have plenty of men that want those jobs, and you then yes. compare it to black white, but that's totally different. No, but like, isn't it a meritocracy though? Like, isn't it like? Well, there's there's a meritocracy, but there's also this unknown of who can tell if a woman coach is going to be any good. Like, just who can tell if a man coach is going to be any good? That's my point. Okay. Unless they have a track record. So that's my point is like intellectually, if you're cool with the Bucks hiring an assistant, she has to be in that mix and you have to say you'd be cool with her getting the job. And if you want to say, no, it's got to be somebody who's been through it and I want Doc Rivers or Buttonholes or Imani Williams or somebody like that, then I think intellectually you can say that. But it just I just say I want the best person. I want someone. I want them to pick somebody who's going to win because that's the bottom line. But I think the bottom line is nobody knows who the best person is. Like Nobody even, knows because even, even established right guys now, can come in and fail. Even right now, here's the thing. I heard this uh, over the weekend. You know, someone was asking, "Who would you rather have, Steve Kerr or uh, Brad Stevens?" Now, to me, it's Brad Stevens in a landslide because he is incredible with what he's doing with all these injuries. Steve Kerr is riding a fucking stallion of unmatched talent. Show me Steve so, Kerr on a scuffling team. So you would never take Phil Jackson to coach your team. It is probably- why would I say never? Well, because Phil Jackson just all he did was manage incredible talent everywhere he was, and he won championships with guys. He never had a. 
injury plagued, you know, he turned out to be a horseshit executive. Drew, but Drew, you would be a frustrating fucking radio partner because you're putting <laughs> words in my mouth. You're putting words just, in my mouth. I'm no. pricking prick holes in your <laughs> arguments. No, you're not. You're you're totally saying something totally different. No, I said, what's the difference? Be- who would you prefer, Brad Stevens or Steve Kerr? And I said Stevens. I didn't say Steve Kerr sucks. No. I didn't say Steve Kerr has it easy, although I kind of did, that he's riding on top. You, of the you just did that. You okay. said he's riding incredible he, talent. He, he's riding a wave of uh, incredible talent. He is right now. I want to see him without that. I want to see him without that because Brad Stevens has done more without in his NBA career than Steve Kerr has. And Brad Stevens has done it in college. So yeah. therefore, Brad Stevens' greater sign, Steve Kerr, as of the evidence but, we have right but, now. But, yeah, but that's the unknown, though, isn't it? That's the same thing as, like, how right, do we which know? Gets, right, which gets me. Okay, Steve which Kerr gets might me. be fucking great. If, if right. you switch those teams, right. Brad Stevens might lose in Golden State and managing the Stars, and Steve Kerr right. might, you know, so which, it's different. Which gets me back to the ultimate thing. You keep saying I want the best person for the job. My response to that is we don't know. There is no knowing who's the best person. And, and then and D'Antoni's a perfect example of right. that. Because how was D'Antoni in New York? Right. And meritocracy is a complete myth in almost every area of American life. Oh, you're going to get me on a rant here. You're going to get me on a rant because... Do you disagree? Well... That meritocracy well, is a myth? And then I peeled back the curtain a little bit on my show last week. I went on a little bit of a rant about the NFL draft. I got pissed off. Because, and we could do a whole thing about this, when Albert Pujols was closing in on 3,000, yeah. that's like no longer a story anymore for some reason. It's partly because of West Coast bias. Yeah. Because he plays West in the Coast West Coast. West Coast bias is real, by the way. It really that's is. That's why Mike they, Trout is anonymous. Exactly. For the most and, and part. That was an issue. But on the day that he was going to, he was at 2,998 or whatever, the lead story at ESPN.com was Todd McShay's 2019 mock draft. And they had it up on the lead spot all yeah. day you know why because because it gets clicks and it's fucking it's stupid like clicktocracy is what but, it is but then i peeled back the curtain a little bit i went on a little bit of a rant because todd mcshay and guys of his ilk and i don't mean to single him out because there are other guys too the national guys guys who break like the stories and stuff and have this these dialed in if todd mcshay goes on the air and raves about josh allen nobody really knows if josh allen's going to be a good quarterback or not right yeah, but, but if he goes out there and raves about him and says he's the best, and then you look and you see who represents Josh Allen? CAA, Creative Artists Agency. Who represents Todd McShay? CAA. CAA, Creative Artists. Yeah, and this stuff happens, and it happens with coaches. Remember there was a guy, Bob Lamond, who, had all the, who represented all the coaches in the NFL for a while. This stuff happens at a level, and there's quid pro quo. Remember, you talk about Tiger... When Tiger was breaking through, and and he was at an agency, and they spiked some stories that would, oh. you know, and then oh, they, yeah. in, in exchange for Roy Jones sitting for a cover piece for Men's Fitness, we spiked this, co- you know, Men's Health. Not Roy Jones. I uh, mean, Tiger Woods did a piece for Men's Health. Yeah, he did, and, but there was somebody else out. too. Yes, yes, and because that, they and spiked. Be, yeah, that was the first story. National in, the, the National Enquirer was like, "Hey, we've got the goods on your guy Tiger, and yeah. we're going to run with it." Yep. And that's when they go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you, your men's health has been asking if they could do a feature <laughs> on Tiger and his workout regimen. We think we're open for that now. If over in this hand, you just crumple exactly. up that story and throw it away. Well, and so guys who get pumped and guys who get good PR, and I've known writers that, you know, there are national writers who will trumpet an assistant or assistant GM as, as a rising star and give them 
kind of credit in exchange for information. It's it's the way the fudge is packed, the sausage is made, whatever <laughs> freaking whatever fucking analogy you want to use. It's greasy. And of course so, it is. And okay. So it's like that in coaching circles too. Like guys get buzz and good PR and uh, announcers might have good relations so with you guys agree, and, talk, and, and, you agree, and trump them up. So you agree to me that meritocracy for the most part is a myth. I, I would agree a lot of it is. But for the most part. For the I most believe, part, because it's unknowable. It's, well, you right. don't know. Any assistant coach, like, here's a here's one for you. Merit when, is subjective. Yes. I would say that we are living in a hustletocracy and an opportunocracy. Is that yeah, I like even that. A word? That's a good phrase. It's a good T-shirt. Right. Where, where it's just taking advantage of opportunities and it's just hustling. Merit is a fictional thing. Like there's some automatic ruler or formula that goes, well, you're better than him, so therefore we're going to reward yes. you. It's not yes. how it fucking works. Well, and here's my like my battle scars here. Um, 12, 13 years ago, the Packers hired Mike McCarthy. He was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers who had the worst offense in the league the year before the Packers hired him, right? And I was on the air, and my partners were saying, God, what the hire this fucking guy for? Like, hey, yeah, this is a disaster. And I'm like, you can't know that based on, because they had shitty players. Right. Because I saw Jim Leland win a World Series and be a genius, and then they sold all his players, and he lost 120 games the next year. You can't know that. And I said, you guys got to pump the brakes on that. This guy may or may sink or swim, but it has nothing to do with what he did. Because I covered bad Brewers teams for many years where I saw pitching coaches and hitting coaches come and go, and people thought they were idiots because the players fucking sucked. Right. <laughs> so it's like you can't. I ha- you have to pump the brakes on that, and that's the way it is with assistants. I, Terry Stotts is an example. Like people thought he was overmatched in Milwaukee, then he got smarter, and then. He, but coaches can grow and evolve and improve just like players do. All right, we won't settle it here on that. By the way, one other example of uh, the the, st- the pull, peel back the curtain on pimping draft picks. Yeah, Mel Kiper famously stood on the table for Jimmy Clausen when he went in the late first round of the Carolina Panthers, said he is going to be a great quarterback, stood on the table, and everyone thought, wow, Mel Kuyper's word. He, you know, th- this guy knows his stuff, and he would, he would you know, researched it, and he understands the game. Jimmy Clausen was repped by the late Ralph Sindrich. Ralph Sindrich was in Mel Kuyper Jr.'s wedding. That's Giddy where up. it comes Giddy from. up, and that's and people don't know how often that goes on at every level of sports. You think that the the college basketball with the shoe stuff and all that stuff that's going on, you think that's sleazy? It's all over. All right, deals that's, are cut, and that's the way business is conducted. It's like that in business. It's but people expect sports to be pure. It's not always. All right, here we go. What's pure is Paulina Gretzky on Instagram. <laughs> that is damn pure right there. You ready, Drew? I'm ready. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, here oh, we go, Drew. Who baby. do you got for FTG this week? FTG for me is a layup because I lived it. Fuck that guy goes to number seven, Big Ben Roethlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You own the city. You own the franchise. You're worried about them drafting a quarterback, and you're going to pout about it. Now, you can maybe think that maybe they should have taken players that would help you right now, and you. but to say that a publicly— A single third-rounder is not going to help the team. When, probably when not. Probably not. Well, so you could also draft a Hall of Famer in the third round. But to go out and say that, and then to actually—for guys, because we lived this with Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers— I'm not going to mentor him. Why should I? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're 36. You should be secure. Don't worry about that. And if this guy's going to replace you, it's not going to be this year— 
Fuck that guy. Ben, just relax. All right, since we're on quarterbacks, I can't believe it. A double quarterback FTG for the week. And this will shock some people because I have been all along one of the biggest Kirk jerks, as I call them, (laughs) supporter of Kirk Cousins, and saying the Minnesota Vikings have got themselves a fantastic quarterback. Here's what I just don't understand. How much money is Kirk Cousins making from his stupid fucking t-shirt empire? Kirk Cousins tweeted the other day, I can't say enough about the support I've received from everyone here in Minnesota. When you join an organization like this, you feel that family atmosphere, family emoji, ugh, groan. And the next line in his tweet is, grab gear for the entire family with a link to his purple Kirk Cousins t-shirts. Fuck that guy. What are you doing? <laughs> You're making $30 million a year almost. How much could this possibly mean to you? You know, you got guys like me, Kirk, backing you to the hilt saying you're going to be great. You better be great. And you're ki- I, I don't want to hear, oh, it's for charity, okay? I'm, yeah, whatever, charity. It's a bad look, Kirk. Stop doing this. If you want to sell T-shirts and you want to tie it to a charity, do it. Don't tweet about it. Hey, uh, feels great to be part of the family up here. And hey, why don't you get some family T-shirts? Uh-uh. FTG wow. to one Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Bet you never thought you'd see that, huh, Drew? No. You All Vike right. that? You Vike that? You Vike that? Yeah, you That's Vike That's a shirt. That. You Vike that? Oh, God. All right, Drew, where can people get a hold of you? In case you, uh, you owe can, them money or uh, they have a grievance with you. There's a good chance. Airing of the grievances would be at Drew Olson, MKE, on the Twitter. Uh, at Drew Olson Show, if you're so inclined. My show is uh, noon to 3 in Madison, 1 to 3 in Milwaukee, the iHeartRadio app, the Big 920, the Big 1070. All right, Drew, good to talk to you, bud. You bet. See you Monday. Let's end on this today. I call it the least shocking news I've ever read. Study. Those most concerned about climate change are the least likely to take individual action. Oh, can you hear me smacking my forehead? Ouch, that kind of hurts. A year-long study of 600 Americans placed them into three distinct categories. Believers, cautiously worried, and skeptics when it came to their self-stated level of concern over climate change. Not surprisingly, believers were most likely to support federal policies to address the problem. You know, those mandates, government, must drive this, can't drive that, thermostats that we're going to control from some central department of energy. Uh, Those don't exist, Zabe. (laughs) Not yet. You buy a networked thermostat, like one of those Nest thermostats, well, I like to be able to dial it up and dial it down from my car or when I'm at work or I'm on vacation. Okay, well, just wait until the government mandates that all your thermostats get networked together on the Internet, and then they'll tell you how much energy and how warm or how cold your house is allowed to be. Skeptics reported using public transportation, despite being skeptical of climate change. They reported using eco-friendly products, and they reported using reusable bags. 
more often, the skeptics did, than those in the other two categories. Well, that is odd. Researchers could only speculate about the reasons for this, but regarding the concerned but inactive, the psychological phenomenon is often known as moral licensing. Previous researchers found doing something altruistic, even buying organic foods, give us license to engage in selfish activity. We've earned points in our own mind. So if you've pledged some money to Greenpeace, you feel entitled to enjoy the convenience of a plastic bag. In fact, the ultimate case of moral licensing might be one Harvey Weinstein. John Sexton writes a column in which he says Weinstein has been accused of sexual assault and rape by dozens of women around the world, and yet his profile in Hollywood was as an outspoken progressive who had a lot to say about women's rights. In fact, if you had asked him, I'm sure he would have said that he was a male feminist. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, he was a monster who made abusing women the center of his lifestyle. Weinstein, writes Sexton, was basically saying, look, I took a lot out of the progressive bank account, but I'm going to put a lot back in if you let me. A few weeks later, after it all started falling apart, there was a report from Page Six, New York Post, saying Weinstein had concluded he was destined to be a martyr for needed public change. He had realized, writes Sexton, that he wasn't coming back from this. His career was, in fact, dead. But even then, he was thinking about his situation as a passion play in which he would die to bring change to the world. It was still all about moral licensing, just on a much grander scale. Good stuff. And hey, don't we all engage in some form of moral licensing? I know I sit in the cave in my basement with three TVs, ignoring my family night after night. And I'm like, hey, I know. I took them to Disney World, though, last year, so they're good, right? I can stay down here, huh? We'll all try to walk our walk and not just talk it in the future. That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends and the kid who mows your lawn. Leave a positive review. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And as always, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.